In May 2022, the Utah Foundation released a report called The Flowering of Youth, The Next Generation in Utah. This is the Utah Foundation's sixth report in its Utah Social Capital series. This installment presents data and analysis in four areas, the birth rate, investments in recreation, investments in public schools, and the ratio of children to the number of youth organizations. The report revealed some surprising trends nationally, but we also found some surprises in a state that takes pride in its focus on youth. Utah Foundation senior analyst Christopher Collard and I talk about all that and more in this edition of Utah Thrives, the Utah Foundation podcast. I'm Peter Reichardt. Hi, Christopher. Hi, Peter. So we've got this new report out, The Flowering of Youth. In this report, we're trying to get some measure of how focused Utah is on its next generation. Some of the metrics we looked at were birth rate, school expenditures, recreation expenditures, youth organizations. Let's start with the birth rate. We found something surprising, not only in Utah, but nationally. What is the birth rate looking like yeah, so when we look at birth rates, uh, we there's a there's a nationwide trend of of kind of decreasing birth rates. Um, it's a trend we also see in Utah, the same trend of declining birth rates. Although Utah does have substantially higher birth rates than the than the nation at gen and than the nation at large. Now, one thing that strikes me is when you look at the trend line in Utah, and as you said, we're we're following this national trend, but actually, the change is a bit more dramatic here. We go from, in 2008, 21 births per 1,000 residents to, in 2020, only 14. So in 2008, we had 50% more births per 1,000 than we have apparently now. What do you make of that? So this isn't something specifically Utah Foundation researched, um, you know, but, but kind of pos- you know, forming some hypothesis on why, why that might be the case. Uh, other Utah Foundation research has, has highlighted um, how family formation is being delayed, both in Utah and and you know broader in the United States. Um, and when you when you wait longer to get married, when you wait longer to kind of form your own household, um, naturally there's there's just less time for for people to have children. There's less time you know that that people are forming households when they when they're in the age uh, that they're able to have children. Yeah, we were looking at this graphic um, a few weeks back. It was really striking. And I think this graphic went back to maybe 1970 or the early 70s, rather. And it, and you saw people, younger people, kind of in their prime childbearing years, a big decline in the number that were living in married households together and a big increase in the number of people of that age group that were living with their parents. So that seems to be indicative of what you're t- saying. There's just less of a window for childbearing as a result of changes such as that. Right. You know, this has been kind of a long-term trend, like you said, since, you know, the 70s or possibly earlier. And uh, we're just kind of looking at, you know, the last last two decades. Now, with the pandemic, you got to think that part of the picture here is fear or anxiety or this idea that it's gotten more difficult to be a parent. You think about just the new challenges socially and technologically that 
certainly my parents' generation didn't face in, in raising our generation. Uh, but then, you know, just the cost of things, the cost of college, um, you have all this college debt. I mean, are we getting gloomy about the future? Is that part of the picture here? Oftentimes during uncertainty and during times of anxiety, uh, people are concerned about their individual well-being and whether they can support a new child in their family. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are those are definitely concerns that come up, although we haven't we haven't specifically linked that to to the case in our research. Mm -hmm. The background of this research is we're doing this series on social capital, you know, those ties that we can use to benefit ourselves in our lives and to benefit the larger society. So why would larger families be important to social capital? Um, so in this in this specific uh, segment of of social capital, we're kind of looking at the the next generation. Um, you know what we're we're looking for indicators that kind of highlight the, the focus that that the current population is putting on the next generation. Um, so so one thing you know is how many children are like how many children will be part of the next generation. One of the strongest forms of social capital often are family ties. You have siblings that that you can that you can use to network. Um, and then the more siblings you have, the more you know, kind of the larger your network is. And that that branches out the larger families your siblings have, you know, the next generation can rely on on their cousins. And, you know, strong family ties is, is one of a, a very important source of, of social capital. So you kind of have this built in network if you have a larger family. You know, and it's it's not it's not the rule. It's not like every family has, you know, every big family has strong social capital. But but, you know, on average. Um, in, in the median case, the, the more, the more children are in your family, the, the larger your, your network's going to be. And when, you know, that network network's going to be there and available to help you if you have hard times, your family or, and, and similarly, you'll be there to help them. That network can be leveraged to, to help you kind of accomplish things that would be difficult for you to do alone. One of the things, this is the background, I guess, you know, how many children are we having? And then you move forward from that to some of these other metrics we have in the report. One of the things we looked at here, we looked at parks and recreation spending. We did it on a basis of personal income. So in other words, how much of our wealth, I guess you could say, are we putting into parks and recreation spending? And we want to use that sort of as a measure of how concerned we are about this aspect of our kid's life. Do you think that'd be a fair way of describing it? Parks and recreation can kind of be an indicator of how much you're kind of paying attention to, to the next generation. Why does recreation spending matter for kids? You know, how, why is that important for their social capital directly? Yeah. So, so kind of indirect, first of all, it's kind of an indirect measure of just, just how much attention you're paying to the next generation. Um, but also social capital has, has kind of highlighted some more direct linkages when it comes to, you know, the focus on parks and recreation when it comes to children. Um, so Robert Putnam, who's uh, probably the one of the most preeminent, you know, social scientists focused on on social capital has done a lot of research tying um, kind of the to the social capital, the one that children and, and teenagers and young young adults, you know, build on sports teams, for example. They're, they're in an environment where they, where they build relationships and bonds with, with their peers in a very tight and kind of directed manner. And often those, those relationships that, that you have on, on those recreation groups can, can last far into the future. 
this is like one direct tie to it. And, and there has been a lot of research on this, on, on how you can build social capital through, through these youth groups. And uh, a lot of this research has kind of uh, addressed how this is becoming less and less available to, to children currently. Um, in the past, uh, lower income in children, you know, uh, often these, these sports and, and youth groups were kind of supported by the community in general where low income children and, and high income children could could both participate in kind of the same group. Um, however, uh, our society has become more and more oriented around um, kind of fee based programs where and, and this is kind of a broader trend in, in taxation in general that we've seen in the across the United States and in Utah, where fees become a much bigger thing than, than just kind of a general taxation. Um, and so this is this is true in youth groups as well and, and youth sports teams where fees become more and more common. And in some ways that kind of edges out low, lower income children where they might not be able to afford the, the fees associated with with playing, the fees associated with um, equipment or, or even the, the fees associated with travel. Among, so this among means that competitive leagues. Sure. So this means that, you know, between all the travel expenses and the increasingly expensive fees, some of our lower income kids are having less opportunities to build grit and other soft skills and and teamwork and and the social capital aspect of being part of a team where you form relationships. And of course, there's probably some health consequences as well. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and this is a problem specifically in Utah, which has been highlighted by the, the Utah State University Families and Sports Lab, where they've kind of documented this um, decreasing level of, of participation, which now requires significant financial investments. Where does Utah stand? Though? Uh, are we doing okay compared to the rest of the country in terms of these relative investments in recreation? Yeah, so Utah is actually doing pretty well. We're we're among the top five states in the nation. Um, mm -hmm. Interestingly, you know, there's a lot of Western states are are in the top ten. Um, only you know, and even you know, the lowest states in the Mountain West, Idaho, Arizona, and Montana. It's not like they're they're just around average. Um, mm -hmm. So this is definitely you know, this is definitely a strength for Western states, and and Utah is the third among the Western states. So we we rank pretty well on this on this measure. Okay, what what do the trends look like? Um, so, so with that in mind, um, both kind of the national trend and, and Utah's trend in general um, is, is of, of decline. Um, there's, there's definitely been a bigger decline uh, among Utah than, than the nation, but, but there's kind of a larger trend among, among Utah, among Western states, and among the United States in general of, of a small decline over the past um, 15 years. Okay. And so we see this decline, keeping in mind that this is a decline in the relative investment. It's not the right. absolute dollars. And so, so this is a measure of you know, how much we're spending per $1,000 of personal income. As our personal income grows, as the, kind of the economy grows, a smaller share of that is being allocated or being reserved for kind of parks and recreation spending. Um, if you look at the dollar amount in general, we, we're definitely spending more and more dollars every year. It's just a smaller, smaller part of the pot. Okay, and so we're we're using a similar lens to look at education spending here, right? In the report, um, and and when it comes to education spending, there's a, there's a lot of different ways you can measure it. You know, one of the most common ways is just uh, per pupil spending. That's the measure that we use where Utah always ends up in last place. 
Um, often, you know, people who want to argue against that will will cite the, the share of the state budget that goes to our education spending. And Utah actually performs really well on that measure. Utah spends a, a large share of its of its state budget on education spending. Um, but the one we like to use here at Utah Foundation is, is kind of looking at, at all the personal income earned by people in the United States and then looking like, well, how much of that do, do they kind of put towards education, both through the state, through state measures and through local, local taxation, through supporting the local districts as well. And so that's, that's our preferred method here at Utah Foundation. Um, it's the relative, at, the relative spending effort rather right. than the absolute dollars in, in any way. Yeah. And so what are we finding here? How is, how is Utah doing? If we look uh, 30 years in the past, Utah, Utah actually did uh, much better than the rest of the nation on this measure. This report specifically, and we have a lot of research that kind of looks at, at the gradual decline over, over the past 30 years. Um, if we look more, more closely, this report specifically kind of looks like in the past 15 years where we've been mostly kind of around average. Um, sometimes we're, some years we're above average, some years we're below average, but kind of since, kind of for the past, since, since 2015, Utah has been just slightly below average on this measure. Um, this used to be this used to be a big strength, you know, back 30 years ago, but but now we're just kind of right around average. One thing I guess it's important to point out here is that we're not saying that this isn't about school performance. If if we put more spending effort into education, relatively speaking, that suddenly our schools would be doing better. I mean we've documented in other reports that there's the correlation between spending and performance is rather tentative for various reasons, even when you compare Utah to states that are our peers in a lot of key ways. But it does say something about how focused we are on the future of our children, because obviously an education is extremely important uh, for their ability to be successful as adults. Right. And so definitely, you know, education spending is not like the end all be all of, of, of evaluating, you know, one's performance in, in education. There's a lot of other measures we, sh we can look at too, but it is, it is kind of form, it is a, it is a really good indicator, you know, the, that we can rank other people against, other states against, and we can kind of look back over time. And it works really well for that, which is kind of our goal in, in this series. And, you know, when we do look at, you know, over time, and we do look at, when we do compare to other states, we see that, that Utah is kind of around average. Uh, at the national level, but we are above average for our, our Mountain West region. Um, most of, of the other states um, kind, of, kind of collect near the bottom, among the bottom 10 or the bottom 12 states. Um, and then New Mexico's, you know, higher than average, and Wyoming kind of stands out as, as one of the highest among the top five states in the nation that kind of um, spend the most relative to personal income. So Utah, Utah is kind of in the middle, middle in the, you know, regarding the nation, but then we were among the highest um, spending per personal income when we look among the mountain states. Now, there is one more metric that we look at in this report, and it is the number of youth organizations per 1,000 youth. We look at youth aged 5 to 17, and we try to calibrate the number of youth organizations to that age group. What does it look like? How does Utah look on this metric? When we look at the number of youth organizations in the state, and, and more specifically, kind of the, the nonprofit youth organizations in the state, um, and compare it to how many youth are in the state, um, aged five to 17, Utah doesn't come out looking all that great. In fact, we're last in the nation. Mm -hmm. Over in, in the past, kind of Utah and Arizona have kind of traded places, but we, we're, we're often the last two in the nation. Um, whereas, interestingly, you know, two other states in the Mountain West, um, Montana and Wyoming, are, are among the highest states. 
and this is the type of measure that we've used, you know, across many of our other social capital metrics. Um, you know, we looked at advocacy organizations per, per I think it was per 100,000 individuals and um, professional organizations and other organizations per, per 100,000 individuals. Um, and on all of these metrics, um, there's, there's kind of been a similar trend in the Mountain West where, where Utah ranks kind of low, often last. And, and Montana and Wyoming have been some of the highest states in the nation, often in first and second place. Um, so this is, this is a really interesting case where when you look at the number of organizations per individual or per youth, and in this case, where we're looking at just at youth groups, um, Utah doesn't, doesn't perform all that well. I think this is a really important measure in many ways because these organizations, I guess the more organizations per person you have often represents, you know, the fact that they're smaller organizations um, where, where people can participate in them and, and build stronger levels of social capital um, that's often not available among large organizations where you're not able to, to kind of know everybody and, and kind of get the full benefit. Now, one of the things we've noticed in the past with looking at similar metrics, like you just mentioned, is that Montana and Wyoming do well. And we've theorized that maybe it has something to do with the fact that they have smaller population bases. And so you kind of have this fixed number. Although some of the other states that do well in these categories uh, they tend to be states in, in New England for whatever reason. So they're not necessarily small states and, and population-wise, maybe geographically. Um, but we look at Utah at the low end here. And in the past, when we've looked at this, we've theorized, well, maybe it's because people are getting their social capital from a single organization or the activities are con concentrated in the single organization. And what's going to come to the mind of our listeners a lot is just the, the role of the church in Utah. There's um, Utah is unique in that respect. But then you look at the next state right next to us here, doing equally poorly Arizona. Any thoughts on on that? And, and, and it's not as though it's a regional trend or something. I mean, Utah and Arizona are just sitting over there at the low end by themselves. Yeah, so it's, it's not really clear. There, you know, there's not a clear explanation as to why Arizona might be just as low as Utah in this case. Um, you know, we did we we did you know think about how how often how the Church of Jesus Christ really invests in its youth programs and how that may not you know it takes time out of the youth and the youth might not have time to participate in other organizations like like sports or or other clubs um, that that exist for youth. Um, mm -hmm. But but that doesn't really explain why why Arizona is just as low. Right, right. Well, I guess this is the kind of thing that we sort of punt. You know, we say, okay, here's the information, and maybe um, an interested party out there or academic would kind of want to dig in and and um, tr see if they can figure this out because it is when you're last in the nation on a metric, it is worth looking at closely, um, particularly when it's not just some regional trend. Um, so I guess we would, this is one that we would punt away, right? At this, Yeah. You know. And, and kind of the way that we've, we've really designed this report is, is really just, you know, finding good metrics, um, a, a wide, a, a very wide, you know, broad variety of metrics that we can kind of look at. Um, and then, and then we just do a simple evaluation to try and get an idea of where, 
you know, where Utah is when we, when we are looking at these metrics and, and kind of using them to evaluate social capital. But we don't, we don't spend a lot of time diving into each metric and kind of, you know, trying to explain why, why it might be the case. But, but that's definitely, uh, that would definitely be some very interesting future research for us or, or for another organization. Um, on a lot of these metrics, uh, it mm-hmm. definitely will mm-hmm. be a launching platform for a lot of, of good discussion. Sure, absolutely. Now, when we look across all these four metrics, I guess on balance, Utah sort of looks unremarkable when you put them all together as one. Obviously, very strong on birth rate, number one there, top five in terms of recreation spending, a uh, bit below average on education, relative education spending. And then last in the nation on this fourth metric, the the organizations, the youth organizations. Right. I would say on balance, we're we're probably a little bit above above average. Um, uh-huh. but we don't yeah. we don't kind of stand out as as we do it in many other categories. Yeah. Um, you know, we're kind of in the top five in two categories, we're last on one category, and the other one we're just slightly below average. So we're not we're not in a too bad of a position, but right. But, but we're not we're no, we're no Wyoming on this. I mean, Wyoming right. certainly stands out on this uh on these four measures, I guess most consistently strong, not necessarily most consistently the tops. And then when you kind of look at Arizona, I guess would be at the other end of the spectrum, probably the most consistently weak on focus on the youth. And that may have something to do with, you know, an older population. We'll, we'll leave that to the future discussions. So looking at this, looking at it all on balance, looking at the comparisons, looking at the trends over time, What's the takeaway? I guess if, if we're looking at the trends over time and and kind of where we stand in the nation, Utah's maybe slightly above average, um, but it seems like everybody is kind of trending downwards. Um, so mm-hmm. so Utah kind of stands well, you know, relative to everybody, but but no one is no one has a really good a good uh, looking forward. Um, it's kind of trending down for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of something to be to be concerned about, even if we are maybe above average on many of these metrics. Mm-hmm. And you got to wonder, too, whether some of these things are interrelated. You know, when you kind of look at that downward trend on relative education spending and relative recreation spending. OK, sure, it's part of a national trend. But, you know, when you put in the context of a over the course of 12, 13 years, a one third drop in the birth rate, it, it seems like these may be interrelated. Yeah, they, they very well could be, you know, related to each other. And, and I don't know, like, if, if you're looking at this and, and thinking, oh, this, this kind of um, represents a problem, I wouldn't say the best way to address the problem is to focus on any one of these metrics. Um, like, I don't think that's going to be what, what turns the situation around. Um, but, but probably they, they speak to a larger a larger issue that somehow might need to be addressed um, regarding our our focus on the future generation. Thank you, Christopher. Uh, Thank you, Peter. This has been Utah Thrives, the Utah Foundation podcast. Follow our work at utahfoundation.org.